You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Thank you. It's an honor uh, to come and share with you uh, one of my passions, obviously, and that is uh, global missions. We, we have a, a phrase that we attach when we say that. We say, neighbors to nations, because that really is the scope of the focus from neighbor across the street to the nations that have not heard. And uh, when we say missions, uh, that's, that's what we mean. We see that whole uh, scope. I understand that you've been going through a series on the life of Joseph, two things that stand out, big dreams and character formation, right? Well, if there ever was an area we need to dream big, and that is uh, concerning the unfinished task of missions, and if there ever was a time, that time is now. I want to speak to you today under the title, Pursuing a God-Sized Mission. We'll be in a familiar passage, Mark chapter 6. We'll start uh, at verse 34. As you're, as you're turning there, if you brought your Bible, or I think we'll have it on the screen uh, here in just a moment. Uh, this is a very familiar passage. We call it the feeding of the 5,000. But really, when you look at the other gospel accounts and you look at what theologians say, it's, there's a high level of agreement that with women and children, there were more than likely close to 12,000 people at this event that we uh, see uh, the miraculous feeding of these people. Amazing. So uh, let's pick up the reading here. We're going to look at starting in uh, Mark 6, verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, he was, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages to buy themselves something to eat. That's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. <laughs> the disciples' solution was send them away. Now, now um, to be fair, they didn't see the end of the story yet like we do. We look at the end of that story and go, oh, well, he's about to feed a 1,000 people, and they're going to have 12 baskets full left over. We know the ending, right? But, boy, wouldn't it have been sad had they sent the people away, and we would not have a record of that amazing miracle. How many miracles do we miss out on because we attempt God's supernatural work with only the limitation of our human resources? Verse 34 said, Jesus saw the crowd and had compassion. He didn't just see a bunch of nameless, faceless people. There's another word uh, for seeing that's not used here that's more common. This is a little less common. This is the word horao. It means to see carefully, to see through, recognizing and perceiving deeply. These people were in need. They were hungry physically, but they were also hungry spiritually. They needed a shepherd. They needed truth, hope, Jesus saw them, not a crowd, but each one of them in their need and had compassion. As you well know, we live in a world of great need on the planet with over seven and a half what billion people now, over half of which are lost, and many of those have never heard not once the name of Jesus or the fact that he loves them 
or that he has a plan for their life. It's been said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Are we willing to see them, neighbor to nation? Are we willing to see them be moved by their greatest need? Jesus saw and had compassion. Then it comes, we come to the twist in the story that is, I think, very pronounced. He turns to his disciples, his followers, the leaders that he was training, and he said to them this in verse 37. He said, you give them something to eat. It's like, uh, okay. Think about it. 12,000 people. (laughs) Jesus, in so doing, invited them, listen to this, to participate in something far bigger than anything they could ever accomplish themselves. If our mission's dream is something we can handle, something we can contain and accomplish without God's power, we risk missing out on something God-sized that he wants to accomplish through us. Jesus is saying to all of us today, you give them something to eat. You feed them. You clothe them. You bind up the broken. You encourage the weak. You preach the gospel to every nation. You make my name famous among every people group. Jesus is saying, what I have called you to do is is bigger than what you can do by yourself. But if you will exercise faith, if you will trust me, he says, I will do through you what you cannot do yourself. God has commissioned us to pursue a God-sized mission dream and partner with him to accomplish it. And if we're going to realize that dream, there's some things that we have to be absolutely resolved concerning. And I want to share just a couple of those with you this morning. The first is this, that it is God who has called us. God has called us to this dream. Don't miss this simple truth. Verse 37, Jesus said, You give them something to eat. Now, it matters who says it. This isn't, you know, for example, let's say your older sibling comes up and says, clean your room. Yeah, whatever. But if mama says, clean your room, come on now. (laughs) Means a little bit different. This wasn't just anybody speaking to them. This was Jesus. This was the son of God himself the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the call to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation does not come from mother or father or sister or brother or friend or colleague. It does not come from a university, a government, or even a pastor or the church. The call we receive to reach the lost comes from God himself with all of the authority and resources of heaven behind it. And if God says to us, give them something to eat, we can. If God says, meet their needs, we can with his help. If God says, heal the sick, we can. If God says, raise the dead, we can. When God says, 
take my gospel to your friends, to your neighbors, and to every nation. We can, not because of who we are, not because of our resources or any abilities that we have, but because of who it is who has told us to do it. Make no mistake, when we commit to do what God Uh, has told us to do, there is no government, there is no financial crisis, there is no health crisis or physical limitation or no devil or demon or any power of hell can stop it. Our success in the fulfillment of the mission hinges first on the fact that we're convinced that the God of this universe has called us to do it. Second thing, we have more than we think. We have more than we think. They thought they only had five loaves and two fish, enough to feed a handful of people. But they found out that five loaves and two fish were more than they thought. It became enough to feed thousands. Now, we have three daughters. Two of them are twins. They're 35 today. But back in the day, you know, when they were two, three years old, whatever anybody can relate to, a two or three, four-year-old, and they had, you know, usually were bad parents, were probably bad parents because our philosophy was they're twins, we don't want them to fight, we don't want to spend all our time fighting, just get them one of each thing and then, you know, go do your thing. And, but we had this box of Legos and they were it was sitting there in front of them and the two of them were sitting right close to each other and both of them had a death grip on this red Lego screaming at each other, Mine! And I just come running from the other room, driving, what's going on? They're going to kill each other. I'm looking, and they've got this death grip on this Lego, and it's like the whole box is right there. It's like I wanted to go over there, take the box, and dump them out right on top of them, say, you got the whole box. Why are you fighting over this Lego? (laughs) We look at what is currently in our hands our life, our abilities, our bank account. We see all of our human limitations. And then we look at the mission and see how much bigger it is than we could ever accomplish. Jesus is saying to his church today, lift up your eyes and look. I have made the entire box of the full resources of heaven available to you. You have more than you think. Romans 8.32 says this. It says, He who did not spare his own son but give him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Question. If the king of the universe withholds nothing to redeem us, to forgive us, and then puts his spirit in us and makes us his children, and then this king commissions us to reach the whole world, Will he not also put into our hands whatever resources are necessary to get the job done? Yeah, absolutely. You remember the rest of the story, Mark 6. They they brought five loaves, two fish. He gave thanks. He gave them. Interesting. He gives thanks, and he gives them to the disciples. Jesus didn't pass them out to the people. Jesus never never fed the people. He blessed the loaves, and what did he do? He put the loaves and the fish in the disciples' hands to give to the people. You see, God could take care of all the needs in all the earth in a second. 
But he chooses to do it through his church. Why? In part because he wants us to enjoy the experience of watching God multiply his resources and his power in us to touch people through us. He wants us to have that experience. Now think about this occasion. This blows my mind when I think about it. Uh, Just think about the two fish for a minute. There's up to 12,000 people there, 12 disciples. That would mean, if you do the math, each disciple was responsible to feed up to 1,000 hungry people. Two fish divided by 12, that's each person got one-sixth of one fish. Now put yourself in there, 1,000 hungry people, you get one-sixth of one fish. Now I don't know about you, but for me, when I find myself in those circumstances, I would get the lips. That's how it would work. I'd go, okay, give give me my one-sixth, and I'm hoping for the center part, nice big filet, you know, and I get the lips. Great. This is awesome. And so you go to that first guy that's sitting there hungry, and you got lips in your fingers. Great. Okay, here we go. So you know what you do. Uh, Ladies, you do this all the time. You have somebody over. You have a roast. You cut it up. You spread it out on the plate, make it look like more than it is, and you pray to God you have enough. You know what I'm talking about. So I got these lips, and you put a death grip on the lips to try to peel off the smallest amount of flesh that I could possibly pull off of those lips. And so I just squeeze it, and I, I just, and all of a sudden, boop, boop, and there's two fish flapping on the ground. It's like, what? Pick one up, break it in half. It's like, boop, boop, there's two more fish in there. Now there's four and six, and then eight. And all of a sudden, okay, well, I might as well start handing some of these out, right? So I started handing out the fish, boop, boop. And then all of a sudden, ladies, you know how it is when you start, supper's almost over, and then, you know, you start getting courageous because there's still meat on the plate, and everybody's like kind of hungry, and then you get real brave, right? And I bet that's what happened to the disciples. It's like, oh, come on. You got to be hungrier than that. Here, have some more. This is really good. What, don't you like my fish? Come on. Eat up. Put a few in your pocket for later. Now, I have no idea if it happened that way. (laughs) But something tells me that it... It doesn't matter how it happened. The point was that it did happen. And they did have... and, And what they had surrendered into God's hands became more than enough. Think about that. Maybe they only had one fish. It's interesting that they didn't have zero fish because God wants us to have skin in the game. Hmm. I think I may have figured this miracle out. No, seriously, do you ever sit around and you, you read a miracle in the Word and it's like, how did he do this? And I mean, I actually lose sleep over this, and I, I, I think I figured it out. I really do. It, you want to know? It has to do with the fact that God sees things differently than we do. 
God is not limited to see things only the way we see them now. He is not limited to linear time. He sees the end from the beginning. See, so when he looks at a situation, it's not just a, a snapshot in time. He sees the end. He sees the full picture all at once. Aren't you glad when you came to Jesus, he didn't see just what you were that, that day? Sees the end from the beginning. So, question. How many apples am I holding up? I know some of you are like, oh, this is a trick question. I know it's a trick question, so I want to... You see one, right? If you see two, you have to make an appointment with your eye doctor. If you, all right, if you see one, right? One apple. How many seeds might be in that one apple? Well, this illustration might point out an average apple. This is one, two, three on the table, four, five, six. Six. Let's say six seeds in the apple. A wise person once said this. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. You see, let me explain. You plant any one of those seeds, give it enough time in the soil, you tend it, it becomes a shoot and then a tree, and then in time it matures into a a fruit-bearing tree, at which time it will bear hundreds of apples, each with five or six seeds in them, any one of which you could plant and grow multiple trees. So given enough time, actually one seed could result in millions of apples every season, season after season. We look at an apple and we see one. God looks at any one of the seeds in an apple, sees through time an unlimited supply of apples. Here I think is the key to what Jesus did that day in Romans 4.17. Uh, This was 13 years after Hagar bore Ishmael, and Sarah had not yet at this point bore one child for Abraham. God said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. He didn't say, I will make you. He hadn't had one son through Sarah. He said, I have made you. Because God saw Abraham through the years into his loins millions of seed. More than you could even number. In fact, spiritually speaking, I believe that day he saw you and me. He sees the end from the beginning. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. And he goes on to say, Abraham believed that the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Now, that doesn't mean calls things as in he calls this a globe. He doesn't, it's not meaning he names things. It, it, the word there, the Hebrew word is summon. He calls, he summons things that may not appear now as to appear. It's similar to the phrase, Lazarus, come out. He calls things. How many apples are here? More than you could number. They brought him two fish to Jesus. They brought two fish to Jesus. Question, how many fish did they have? (laughs) 
more than they needed. All Jesus had to do, I believe, was call or summon whatever was needed into the now. See, it's not just about what we have, but about surrendering what we have to the God who gives life to the dead and is able to call whatever is needed into our hands to bring the love of God and the good news to everyone who has yet to hear. We are not able in and of ourselves, but he is. What we have in God's hands becomes more than enough. Let me just share a personal testimony. At CCC, when it comes to faith, promise, and missions giving, there are two pieces that come together. The first is the sacrificial giving from what we have in our hands. That's, that's the skin in the game. That's looking at our budget and saying, okay, if we sacrifice, if we do this and move that and shift this, okay, we can do this. But then there's equally important, if not more important, is the second piece. And the second piece understands that he wants to multiply into our hands resources that we do not have, that we cannot budget for. He wants to bring into our hands to equip us to even give more toward the need. And this could come from a rebate from a utility an unexpected bonus, maybe a gift of something that you budgeted for, but now it was given to you, and so you don't need it to come out of your budget. So we give it toward faith promise. Maybe it's a promotion, an increase, an unexpected di discount. Maybe somebody buys your meal at a restaurant. It's like, dude, I was going to drop 25 bucks on that meal. I can give 25 bucks extra now to missions, see? And not that he wants you to be, he wants you to give him everything that comes in. No, he gives you liberal. They had 12 basketballs left over. Just this week, Monday, in fact, of this week, we had done this. We made our faith promise, and we had added to it an amount of faith. And so through the year, we look for it to come in and then give it. We had a certain amount left on our faith promise this year. Monday of this week. No, I don't believe this is a coincidence. Monday of this week, we received a totally unexpected check in the mail or check was given to us. It not only covered the remaining faith promise, it was three times the amount of the remaining faith promise. That's what I'm talking about. That's the multiplication. God doesn't want us to just support missions with our budget. He wants us to trust him to do what he did that day to make the need be met. Why, you know, 31 years ago, I just want you to know, you might say, you might be here today and say, I'm just a two-fish guy. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know about that, Pastor Pat. I'm just a two-fish guy. Yeah, I get it. That's what I am, a two-fish guy. That's a two-fish gal. Years ago, in fact, 31 years ago, Christine and I found ourselves leading our first missions convention as lead pastors in central Illinois. We brought, I brought her up. We stood there in front of the congregation. They were excited. Strong missions giving church already. They were excited. Missions first, new, new, new senior pastor, lead pastor, missions, missions convention. This is awesome. I get up. Here's what I said. I said, okay, this year our focus for missions is you all pray for us because we could care less about missions. 
but we know we should. They don't teach you to do that, Pastor Ben, in Bible college. But here's what happened. Everybody that was excited for missions got excited because they thought, if our pastor is asking for a missions vision, woo, God's going to give it to him. Everybody that didn't care about missions, they got excited because, like, finally, somebody who feels like us, why don't we trust God along with our pastor to get a heart for missions? And they did. And that year, in one year, missions giving increased by 85%. God did the work. I share that because I want you to understand I'm a two-fish guy, okay? I didn't even care about missions when I was a lead pastor. But a lot of things have happened since then. Now serving at CCC, I suppose after COVID, we're about, church of about 800. As assistant missions pastors, last 16 years that we've been there, not because of us, and I want to make sure you understand and don't miss the point, but we are currently supporting uh, 216 missionaries in almost every nation of the world. And the faith promise, amazingly, is coming in Faith promised to what is coming in at 116%. The total AG, non-AG added together, giving for the last number of years has been consistently over 700,000 and ended last year with a record giving of 813,000. It's not just finances, but God is multiplying our efforts. People have invested over 12,000 hours of intercession over the last number of years. And people involved in our team structure has increased by over a thousand percent. Now, why am I saying that to you? So you can be impressed with us? No way. I am a two-fish guy. I was a two-fish guy, and I'm still a two-fish guy. CCC is a two-fish church. It was a two-fish church 30 years ago, and it still is today. I came to the table as a two-fish guy. What God has done is most of the time in spite of us, God shows off when we trust him. The fruit that we see at CCC has very little to do with us. It has something to do with us, and that's the obedience with the two fish. But it has very little to do with us. You're sitting in a building today debt-free. What? It's like you might... It's like, well, I don't know how they got this paid off, but it sure wasn't just my giving, right? Right? wasn't just my giving. We're two fish people, but God wants to use us in awesome ways to get the job done. That's a big dream. That's God's big dream. None of us should perish, but that have, to have eternal life. He wants you and he wants me to experience him using us. He multiplies resources in our hands to finish the task. And I want to end where I started when it comes to finish the task. If there was ever an area we needed to dream big, it's the unfinished task of global missions. If there was ever a time to dream big in that regard, the time is now. I want to leave you with this good news. This dream, this unfinished task, this may appear impossible, unattainable. I mean, we talk about billions who have never heard. We usually focus on statistics and numbers of those that are still lost. 
And we can, doing so, we can easily miss the fact that the unfinished task of the Great Commission is diminishing. And it's diminishing at a faster rate than ever before in history. If you look up here in AD 100, only one in 360 people was a believer. That ratio has steadily dropped. And in 1970, in the center here, one in 13 a believer. And in 2018, all the way to your right, you see this globe. It's believed that it could be actually as low as one in every seven. Who was born? If you were born between now and, and 1970, would you just quick stand to your feet? You were born 1970 or later. Born 1970 or later. In your lifetime, in your lifetime, this global, seemingly impossible task, especially with the growth rate, has gone from this to this in your lifetime. Go ahead and have a seat. I believe, absolutely believe, with the increase in technology, internet, satellite, cell phones, the global task continues at an alarming rate, at an increasing rate, alarming in a good way, Evangelical Christianity continues to grow faster than Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, or any religion in the world. It's been said many times, 20,000 people are coming to Christ every day in China. Another 20,000 people every day in Africa, according to Vision 2020. More Muslims are coming to faith in Christ right now than ever before in history. Vision 2033 is a global partnership to translate, record, and distribute scripture, listen, into every people group language by 2033. That's only 11 years from now. Because the spread of the gospel, and this is even gets better, in the past number of decades across the global south, we are now seeing that harvest being discipled, raised up, and launched out as a whole new foreign missions sending agencies. It is estimated that there are currently about 15,000 U.S. evangelical missionaries abroad. Listen, in the next decade, 10 years, the estimated mission force sent from foreign nations will dwarf the efforts of the current U.S. missions force by 24 to 1. It is estimated that a missionary force of 350,000 missionaries will be sent from these emerging missions nations, including Nigeria and South Korea, China, the Philippines, India, and all across South America. Listen, I believe as sure as I'm standing here that there are people in this auditorium hearing my voice right now on this morning that before you die, you will see the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's amazing. Praise God. Praise God. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said, and this gospel will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, I don't know about you, but this two-fish guy wants to be right in the middle of it all when that happens. Right in the middle of it all. 
It's God who has called us. We have more than we think. And what we have surrendered to God into God's hands becomes more than enough. I'm going to ask if Pastor Doug and the team, please, would come. Uh, let's trust him to do through us what we could never do by ourselves. Uh, I would like to close this uh, just before Pastor comes. I would like to share a declaration of faith with you. And I'd like us all to join in and make this declaration together. Now, a couple things I want to tell you about this declaration, which you'll see scrolling here in a moment. It'll scroll. We'll just read the lines. There's, there's scripture references there, uh, but if you could go ahead and put that up and not start it, they can get a chance to see what that looks like. There's scripture references there, uh, but we won't read the scripture references in the interest of time. We'll just read the phrase and go from phrase to phrase to phrase to phrase. Now, this is uh, a declaration that we have shared uh, there you go. Just pause that right there if you would. We have made this declaration for the last uh, 12 years on a regular basis. Our people, we've spoken this into our own lives because we're. this is declaring we are the people of God, right? This is declaring who we are, who God has called us to be, which is amazing what he's called you and I to be. And this declares our mission. We affirm the Great Commission. We embrace the Great Commission through this declaration. And we speak it with confidence. And I just want to, if there was one thing I'd want to leave you with, and that is this declaration where all of us together in this room can say, you know what? I'm all in. This Great Commission thing, neighbor to nation, I'm all in. Amen? Now, there's twice on here that says tonight... Uh, that's because we do this in the evening and I didn't change the whole video for those two places So when you see tonight say today, okay? <laughs> say today. All right If we can bring that back to the beginning there There we go Would you stand let's say this together with conviction by his amazing grace We are the people of God stewards of reconciliation called out to declare his praises. Today, it is my intention to join with others around the world, empowered by the Spirit, to be the worst partnership with him, a living conduit through which God intends to pour out his blessings and establish his purposes in the earth. I give joyfully, pray fervently, and go willingly as the Lord directs. I am unashamed of the gospel and fully embrace the Great Commission, recognizing that without Him I can do nothing, but with Him all things are possible. I am submitted, self-controlled, and alert. My mind is prepared for action. I am strong in the Lord and operate only under His authority. I have been given his mighty power to demolish strongholds and overcome all the power of the enemy. And in this day of evil, I walk in the spirit with the full armor of God. I stand my ground to fight the good fight of faith as God leads me in triumph. I will not be afraid or discouraged, weak, weary, or worried, knowing that God is with me. He enables me fully, arms me with strength, and trains my hands for battle.
His praise is in my mouth. His word is in my hand. And as I resist the devil, he will flee. I will take up my position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give. He has gone before me. The battle is his, and there is nothing too difficult for him. Because I have such a hope, I am very bold. And tonight, I passionately declare through faith that this gospel shall be preached to every people group. The lost will be found. The deaf will hear. The lame will walk. The blind will see. And the bound will be set free. Strongholds of evil will be destroyed. And mountains of restrictions will be moved. The enemy will tremble and flee at his name. The kingdom of our Lord and Christ has come. And his will is being established in every nation. And among every people group, every knee will bow. Every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord indeed. And worship will rise from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language to the glory of him who reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Thank Pastor you. Pat. Wow. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is here. He's with us. He's strengthening us. And I'm telling you, this message, we will look back and see in advance. What Pastor Pat didn't tell you is he came with an offering for our faith promises. It just kind of blew my mind this week. He called and said, hey, if, we, if I came with an offering, would that be a blessing? And I was like, absolutely. And I shared with him how we're raising funds for City Serve and uh, how God is you know, doubling those, uh, uh, those monies that are given. But truth be told, and not everyone knows this, our missions team and our board knows this, but we've been on pause in regards to picking up missionaries for monthly support for the last year, almost one year. In July last year, we strategically said we're going to pause because we were experiencing a little shortfall. Um, and we were saying, okay, we want to be wise. We want to make sure that we're supporting all the missionaries that we are. And uh, we knew there'd be some attrition. And the, the long story uh, short is we put a pause. But when Pastor Pat knew about that, in fact, I called you last year and shared with you the details of kind of the behind the scenes saying, hey, what would you do? And and you said, hey, you know, you experienced a similar situation and it took about four years, if I remember right, for that to be righted. And, uh, and, and we as a missions team, we had faith. We're saying, okay, we're going to pause for 24 months. But I would say, and I, I shared with this with Pastor Pat earlier this week, and our missions board met this past week. We are actually ahead of our faith promise giving for 2022. And I want to say thank you. We've sowed some seeds, and it may have been 
quiet for a little bit. You know, when you sow a seed, you don't just go and dig it up. Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you forget about it. Or sometimes it takes time for that to grow. It's sprouting again. And his church is pouring into us an additional $1,200. And our missions team will look and say, okay, how can we use this to pick up another missionary this summer? That's our commitment to you and to, and to your church that for, for pouring into us. And I believe that that will start again a, a, an opportunity for us to be picking up missionaries on a regular basis. You guys are at 216 missionaries. It's a big dream of mine to be uh, at 200 missionaries uh, every month supported. And, and we, are, we were on our way again in Jesus' name. But it comes with a heart. It comes with a, this idea that, God, you can do anything through me. It's the Lord that is building us. And what, the way we want to end today is in a song of surrender. There's a song that we've sang many, many times. If you're new with us, we haven't actually sang it in, uh, in, in uh, maybe a little bit of time, but it's called, I Will Build My Life. And what I want for those of you that are here, that you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I'm in. I want to be the type of person that makes a difference. What I want you to do is, as we sing this song, I want you to change your position. If you're standing, I want you to kneel or to move to the aisle, or you can come forward to the altar. If you're sitting, I want you to kneel or to stand. And I want you to change your position, saying, God, I need to make a move to be used by you. And that's how we're going to end today's service. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. You're stirring in our hearts once again. And God, I pray as we sing this song, it's a commissioning song, Lord, that declaring that you will build your church through us. God, I pray that it will make all the difference. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Come on, let's sing with gusto. Jesus' name, hallelujah.
you for your vision, God. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you all as you go into power in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.